0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another Sports Memory podcast. Today we have Derek Black, the infamous Newman, and myself, Brandon Brister, uh, ready to bring some news to you across all sports. We got uh, some MLB, some NFL, NHL trade deadline, and kind of a monumental night in the NBA, uh, breaking some walls down that, uh, you know, sports gambling seemed to get more and more part of uh, everyday life. Um, but the leading topic, at least as far as this week goes, is the replay at home. Um, guys, let's, uh, let's kick things, things off right there because that's certainly the most controversial topic. Uh, Derek, what do you think of the call? Um, and what do you think they could have done differently?
1: Yeah, so Major League Baseball had two games essentially end or two games to be decided on really bad calls. Um, so they had the Mets game end on a, on a hit-by-pitch, a walk-off hit-by-pitch. That was just terrible, but unfortunately all they could review on that play is whether or not it hit him. Uh, they weren't able to, to review it and make it a strike, even though the guy clearly starts to call him out on a strikeout and then changes his mind uh, mid punch out. And then we get to play at the plate with, with Alex Baum going in and never still hasn't touched home plate. Um, so <laughs> the fact that that decided the game and, and he literally still hasn't touched home plate – is is pretty bad and that's when they did review and and they still got it wrong yeah so i mean let's touch on the hit by pitch thing first just because it happened first
2: um have you ever actually seen an umpire call a pitch a strike when it hits a batter regardless of what the batter does like i think maybe once in my life have i seen an umpire say Oh, you chicken winged it! Like you stuck your arm yeah.
1: out instead of. I think once I've actually seen it. I've I've, I've seen it a couple of times just because I think a guy got kind of a reputation for doing it. Um, in, in the high school, Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo. We Wait, had a guy. What? We had a guy. Uh, we, we would play against. I can't remember what school he went to, but in high school, he had a kind of a reputation for doing that. Um, and they they called a few times and he'd get mad and it's like, dude, you're you're halfway over the plate.
0: I mean, that's like recreational softball shit, gentlemen. Like that's how bullshit that that entire situation is. I mean, it it seemed I don't know, it was just ridiculous to me. That that entire sequence. Uh, I, the well, fact that I we're agree. talking about it is ridiculous.
2: I, I definitely think that they I I wish umpires would call it more when a guy actually is, you know over the plate or leans in or makes no attempt to move out of the way like he's supposed to do. Um, There are creative ways to make it look like you are moving to get out of the way where you don't really change your body. You just like turn the angle. So it's like, Oh, here's the front of my arm. Now here's the back of my arm. Um, So it looks like you're moving out of the way. At least it kind of is a sell job. Um, But when you literally just are like sticking your arm farther out to get hit by the pitch, uh, and it's directly over the plate and the pitch would be a strike. If yeah. you did not do that, There's, that absolutely
1: should be called a strike or the batter should be called out. But a lot of the situa- situations we're talking about are guys like leaning into pitches that are still balls and mm-hmm. getting the benefit of the call. Like This sure. one was a strike, and the rule yeah. is that a strike takes precedent over any other event. Correct. You, it's in the you, zone. It's in the you, zone. There's no if doubt If you it. swing and a ball hits you out of the strike zone, it's a strike. Yep. Yeah. The strike takes precedent. So it's just right. a really bad application of the rules. And I, that's that's one of the ones where the crew chief has to come in and say, hey, you started to call a strike. Like, that's all that matters here.
2: But let's, let's actually get to what this topic is really about. Should, like, replay was not able to overturn it because of the stupid rule in regards to it. And it gets yeah. to the point where it's like, listen, if replay is not
1: actually able to
2: overturn something like that, what the fuck is it there for? 100%.
1: Yeah. And and I I get the idea of, you know, having plays that are judgment calls and not be able to be reviewed and things that should stay on the field. I get those concepts, but if you look at the bone one especially, reviewable play, they review it and get it wrong. And I think the reason they get it wrong is because this this concept that exists in all sports where the call on the field takes precedent and there has to be conclusive evidence to overturn it, which creates situations where did maybe his – the very tip of his his uh, spike graze the very top of the plate that's what they're looking for and and obviously that makes the spectrum of what can be interpreted wider in this case I still don't know how they got it wrong but I think you look at other sports like the NFL I think there should be a model similar to what hockey has where they have a situation room and even I think you take that one step forward and say the situation room shouldn't know the call I think the, I think the call in the field should be thrown out this this the people reviewing should make the best call with the information available. Do you want the call closest to the the call in the field? do you want the least impact or do you want the most right call made? Sure. So
2: football is a little bit easier in my opinion to review uh, if they're going to review it because of the nature of it as start and stops there's plays, right? So uh, baseball has a little bit more of that as well, because, you know, obviously nothing happens without a pitch, but basketball and hockey, it's really hard to have replay have a whole lot of impact on that because it's like, can't be calling this penalty or that penalty. You know what I mean? That weren't called on the ice and all that other stuff. Part of it is you get away with it. You get away with it. Um, Some gamemanship to it in those two sports. Sure. And those, but those sports are continuous action, right? So, but baseball and football. So here's my thing college football reviews every play then they stop it when they need to right It's and painful sometimes I mean it is super but,
0: painful sometimes to a get
2: lot there. of so one advantage that college has like and you see it from a lot of teams is there's a lot of teams in college that try to go really fast right yep. um so and if you know hey we get the snap off before you get it stopped then it, that the place you know it stands or yep. whatever right um, why couldn't the NFL move to something like that? they they kind of just refuse to do it. And here's the other thing. I don't I mean the Brady, guy the- tr-
0: Brady tries to do it all the time. I mean, you see Brady hurrying yeah. up on a on a 50-50 play. I mean, he's probably sure. the Aaron Rodgers. At- Roger- yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Uh
2: I don't need an official on the field doing the review. That that is that's insanity. That it should be taken off the field. It should like you said, some sort of room that is like you know, that is watching all the games. They make the call. Or if you're going to have it, a guy in stadium, he has the monitors just like they were kind of doing with the XFL. And he says, Hey, we're going to stop this here because I want to take another look at it. Or we're just going to let it go. The guy on the field doesn't have to do a whole lot. He can look at it in a couple seconds and say whether or not it's good or bad. And, and if he needs further, then he can take it. Then, then the official can be like, all right, we're going to that's stop this, and take I, an extra look. That's why but, I like
1: the system that like, soccer has. It's, yeah. it's where, you know, instead of some guy huddled around a little surface, on the sideline because Microsoft paid a huge contract. Let's get guys in a situation room, you know, the VIR and they're looking at, you know, massive monitors so they can zoom in and see these things versus some guy, you know, trying to block the sun huddled on the NFL sideline.
0: So they look ridiculous doing it too. I mean, it's a really, really bad look. Um, I, I completely agree. So I got, I got two questions for you that for both of you that come up often, in the replay discussion. One I'm a fan of, the other one I'm not of. Um, the first one that I'm not a fan of, I hear it all the time, is re- replay should only be done in live action. Like they should only judge it in live speed. Do you think Do you think they, they should, app, like they do in, in a lot of sports, break it down to the millisecond? Do you think that is a plus or, or a pro
2: or a con of replay? The- the point of replay is to get it right, correct? Isn't that what they keep saying? Yeah. So if they if it takes them stopping it, slowing it down, rewinding it, whatever, yep. changing the angle a million times, but they get it right, that is my preference.
0: Okay? Yeah, because that's that's what I've heard the argument for. Like, it'll go the, faster if they look at it in real time, and they just like, well, it's an inconclusive. Well, let's um, just not look at it at all if that's what we're gonna do. Yeah, right.
2: if we're gonna stop things and say, oh, inconclusive, whatever. Especially if look like, at it down- at all
1: especially like boundary plays. Like if a running back is running down the sideline, you, if you have the ability to, to freeze frame it and blow it up to say, did they step on the white or not? Like, and his white, white cleat, color. his <laughs> white
0: cleat is blending into the yeah. out of bound. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely yeah. think they should, they should drop it down to the millisecond. So at my especially second,
2: if we're going to stop it for that. If we're yeah. saying, hey, we want to take another look at this to see if it happens, and you can't do it in live, right. live and, and but we have to do it in live play, we can't actually break it down. We've, it's like, th- th- that
1: defeats the purpose of the replay, in my opinion. So stop play, why, why do it in 30 seconds to do it wrong? Or let's take a minute and a half and get it right. Yep. Yeah. No, com- I, I, okay, so that leads me to my second question here that now has become a two-parter. Because we
0: all agree, replay exists to get it right. Have they been getting it right and has replay made sports better? No, I say no to both.
2: In all honesty, it hasn't. uh, What it really does is it delays the game. Most of the time the call is inconclusive is the result, right? So they're not even getting it right, right? All we're doing is going based on the rule in the field. And one of the things that we've, uh, I don't know if we've necessarily touched on it, but it's like, listen, uh, I think Derek was talking about it. The call in the field shouldn't matter if you're trying to get it right, like this is a close enough call. We should take a look. It shouldn't matter what the call in the field was. That shouldn't hold weight or precedent over it. We should just be like, listen, go here, take a look at this. Tell us what you think. What's the correct call? And then just be done with it. Okay. Um, So, I mean, that's, that's my opinion. I, I I don't, I don't think that uh, we've done a really good job of applicating replay in concept. It is good, but
0: in practice it is poor. I, I, I do. So I agree with you. I think replay has been completely mismanaged. I don't think it's helped the game, but I do think we got to have it. I just think we need to improve it. I think it needs overhauled in most of the major sports.
1: I think it-, it needs to be faster. All these sports are making enough money. It needs to be faster. There needs to be a dedicated room that's looking at this stuff in real time and can buzz down and make the decision right away. Or if the umpire stops and thinks, okay, there's something here. 10 seconds. Okay, we're good. Keep playing. Or no, nope, this, this is the call. Like, it shouldn't take that long, especially in baseball. I mean, most of the plays you're looking at in baseball are did the ball go over the fence or not? We're talking about like fixed hard boundaries. It should be, these should be easy calls. Some plays at Ooh, first at are least, pretty tough,
0: but yeah, I, I emotionally in, agree.
1: At least in baseball, they
2: do go to the room. They don't make them do it on the field. Right. Or the cameras or anything. So they go to the room and they just, they you know, they have to put the headsets on. We don't need every guy going over there and putting the headset on, realistically. No. In baseball baseball's pretty uh, fast, too. Yeah, it, it's not too bad, um, but they don't get it right. Still, that's the point. Yeah. That's the main point. And if you're that's what if that's the purpose, and you're not you're not achieving the purpose, then it's a waste of time, energy, and effort on everyone's part.
0: Perfect. Perfect. So, okay, dual, Derek, if you ruled the sports world and you could go back, what did they start replay? Let's just say ten years ago. You guys are better with the facts. Would you implement replay into major pro sports?
1: I still would. I think the technology's there. I, I do think it makes sports better, but I think it, it needs improvement in almost every facet. And I don't know why we're not using an, ele- an electronic strike zone in the MLB. Like I just so, don't. So well, <laughs> so,
2: so they're starting. They're starting uh, in like some of
1: the minor the leagues. Like, yeah.
2: High A, High A, or no, it's, no, it's no. usually the Atlantic
1: League is where they try everything out.
2: No, so so no. This year they are implementing. Oh, this one's it, like in made it through. In, okay, in, in, in minor league baseball, they so are, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes. And, uh, I, I touched on this, I think last week, but yeah, it, it is so, at least some of the stadiums and some of the, uh, leagues or whatever are, are planning on using it for some portion of the season. Okay. Um, but in my, in my opinion, when Brandon asked that question, are you saying if we know now what we knew then would we have implemented replay or are you saying would no. we choose to? Imp- okay. Cause, cause if, if we know now what we know about it and, and how much it doesn't actually do anything, I would just say, fuck it, get rid of it. We right
0: now, we're, we're trying not to do re- revisionist history here. Um, I mean, the
1: reality—the reality of the situation is, I think, because of replay, more people feel confident betting on on sports, which is a huge industry. If you knew that your team could get fucked over or your outcome could get fucked over by a bad call, I mean, that gives you less confidence. I, I guarantee. I'd like to go back to the data now that I, you know, now that I've thought of this. But I would be curious to see the relationship between the amount of money people gambled and the uh, usage of, of replay and see if those two correlate at all. That's interesting. That's, that's super interesting. I don't know. It's a good question.
0: Um, but let's, let's move on. Let's stick with baseball and move on some highlights. Um, let's, let's talk about former pirate pitchers that get better when they leave. Um, in Joe Musgrove and Tyler glass. um, Derek, which one do you want to lead off with? Uh, Glass now being uh, dominating, or uh, I mean, Joe Musgrove's no
1: hitter? I, I think the Musgrove one's pretty simple. It's it's you know the first, obviously the first uh, no hitter for the the Padres organization comes from Homet- you know, hometown kid. Comes from a back half of the rotation guy, which it seems like it's interesting how no hitters seem to be pretty spread out as far as who throws them. I mean, Homer Bailey threw two in a row, and. That's Homer Bailey. Like the, you know, he's not even in the league anymore. One, uh, one against
0: the pie. You mean Christian Bale? Have, has anyone ever
1: <laughs> seen either one of them in the same room? That's that's all I want to know. <laughs> that's funny. Um, so it's you know it's exciting for them. If all the names in that rotation, the acquisitions they make, that's probably not who you think it's going to be. Uh, if you had to say one of these guys is going to throw the the Padres' first no hitter, I don't think Musgrove is on anybody's list. But it's good to see for your organization. Uh, and then you see him on the other side today. Uh, former Ray Blake Snell has an absolute. Or, or yesterday, had an absolute meltdown because they pulled him in the first inning after throwing like thirty-nine pitches. Dude, I, be-
0: I mean, speaking of he gambling, pitched- I, I had I had Blake Snell. I bet on the Astros yesterday. <laughs> running the,
2: the Padres, yeah, Padres, playing, yeah, yeah Padres. playing your 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 Pirates, and and so you're always betting against the Pirates. Um, oh. Yeah, he pitched two thirds of an inning. Uh, I think he had two walks and gave up like. Five earned runs or something. Yeah, so. he had like eight singles.
1: <laughs> he deserved to get pulled, uh, for sure. <laughs> and was fl- and he was not happy about it. Yeah. Um. And then so you move to you know the 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 person that the Rays kept, which was the right move, uh, Tyler Glasnow, who just looks unhittable. Uh. So not yeah. only does he release the ball closer to home plate than anybody in the entire league, but he's developed a third pitch and it looks good.
2: Yeah. He's he's developed a um a slider cutter. They call it a slutter. Uh, slutter. yep. Uh, which, Whoa, is, which is, this is which a family is show, guys.
0: This is a family show.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> um, yeah, but so one, love the name. Two, love the effectiveness that he's had with it. It's it's kind of crazy how he's just, you know, kind of only recently started throwing it, and it's already uh, a really dominant pitch. Um, we've seen stuff like this before, and we've seen this really take the pitchers to another level. Uh, the Mets used to, their pitching coach, his, his name was Dan Worthen, Uh, and he used to teach a slider specifically. So Jacob DeGrom, uh, when he first came up to the Mets, he was not really a big name prospect, but he was a pretty effective pitcher. Uh, once he got to the big league level, he learned the war than slider and now he's the best pitcher on the planet. Um, so, you know, that extra learning, that extra pitch can really make a big difference if you are able to, uh, you know, be effective with it and, Glass now is locked
0: in right now. Do we know anyone that. else that's ever thrown this pitch before?
1: I mean, I don't know baseball. well. Oh, so he, he, sure. he yeah. a lot of guys do it. So you look at um, uh Emmanuel Class or Clase or whatever how you pronounce it. Clase. Uh, Clase. Tra- he was traded. one for like one. Like me at the bar at about two a.m. on a Friday night. Clase. He a. was uh traded one for one for uh, Corey Kluber a couple years ago. Wolf. Yeah. He, he throws a – basically what this pitch is, is it's a slider grip thrown with fastball action. And for some guys, it, it kind of has like a cutter effect. And, um, I mean, Classe throws his at like 100, 101, which is just absurd. Mm-hmm. Uh is coming in at like 91, but it's a good – it does – it fills, literally fills the gap between his other two dominant pitches. You kind of described it as, you know, his his fastball's at 12, his curveball's at 6, and now he has this slider that kind of breaks and, and, and goes in between them um and it kind of you know splits that angle so he's he's it's lethal man
2: so so not to get nerdy about it but what he's trying to do is nerd uh, it's called called pitch tunneling so where he's releasing the ball uh and the hitter is able to see it it creates this effect of where the hitter sees it they're all look similar at a certain point the inflection point at which a hitter kind of is no longer able to just go on what he's seeing. He kind of has to react, right? Cause it's beyond a certain point um, and it's you react to your dead uh, kind of thing. So uh, at that point, you know he's trying to get his pitches all in the same spot and then they all have different action from that point. Um, so it, it's really effective. Uh, if you're able to do it and there's there's a lot of good interesting
1: studies on it. If you want to nerd out about it, go find it. But right, um, you don't see guys throw bad changeups anymore because a changeup doesn't tunnel well and unless you have a nasty changeup, like it's not worth throwing.
2: Right. And and you and they also have started to some guys had, you know, four pitches or whatever, and they're like, Hey, we're gonna scrap that, we're gonna have you throw this instead because uh it pairs
1: better with your other good offerings, right? So um I, was, a lot of guys who- I think it was glavin said he's like i never want to get beat on my fourth pitch <laughs> I,
2: I mean yeah that's that's not a good strategy Jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you guys say Corey kluber through this too no
2: no no no, no. Corey kluber not. was uh traded for emmanuel class a okay uh, a few years okay. ago well, Uber, well, kluber is a guy who has shifted up. he used to you know throw a lot more fastballs but he has become more and more of a slider pitcher and he also throws a cutter so he throws a slider and a cutter because those are similar action, kind of the same effect with the tunneling and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but they but they they move a little bit differently for him once uh, once the ball gets closer to the plate, which which can be tough on hitters.
0: Yeah, the reason I bring up uh, Corey Kluber because during the NFL season we have an overreaction Monday where we we're always overreacting. Uh, we're about you know two weeks into the MLB season, so let's let's overreact. Um, let's start with Corey Kluber's team. Um, do the New York Yankees suck? (laughs) Um, so, I mean,
2: I, I was, I think the only person on the pod when we recorded it that that did not necessarily think that the Yankees were going to win that division. Um, they don't suck, but they're not quite as good as the media wants to make them out to be. They have one, they have guys that are injury prone, so it's going to happen and they have a lack of depth. Realistically, they don't have a good, a good, you know, good depth system to draw from, uh, so that really impacts their ability to, you know, when guys get hurt to replace them. Uh, I mean, you, you mentioned it last, uh, well, I think last week, Jay Bruce is playing for him uh, at first base because uh, they're, you know, the guy who led the league in homers last year, uh, Voight is out right now. Um, so that's, that's an impactful thing for them. And then what I didn't like what they did in terms of the pitching, I don't think that they've built up enough depth there either. They went out and signed Kluber who they thought, you know, he looked good in his warm up, but Corey Kluber has not been the same pitcher for the last two to three years, really. Uh, Last year, I think he threw an inning. So, Yeah, he hasn't uh, thrown a
0: full season in like three or four years. I mean, It's been a while.
2: He's really been struggling with some injury stuff. And if you're the Yankees, you don't need an injury guy. You need a guy who's going to give you a lot of innings. Um, And that's just not what he's capable of. And at this point in time, I'm not sure that he's capable of really even pitching effectively because he's been getting shelled.
1: His, yes. And his his repertoire doesn't mix well with that stadium. I mean, that's even even a, ma- a mix of you know we talked earlier about you know he he wants to be a slider cutter guy. He, so you're working the half of the plate that has a, a fucking like T ball field out in right field. Like it, the ball mm-hmm. flies out, and that's the side of the plate he's going to be working. Yes, yeah. and he's he's a right-handed pitcher, so he's going to be facing a lot of lefties.
2: Uh, right. Teams are trying to stack. Stack the lineup uh, to have the platoon advantage and short porch in right is not good for that either.
1: Especially, you know, you look in division at the Rays, that's a team that can throw, you know, seven or eight lefty bats out there when a Mm -hmm. right is starting. Sure. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's jump to the, uh, well, let's stay with the Rays. Is, is Judge overrated?
0: Is Aaron Judge one of the most overrated dudes in the league? The dude never is healthy. He seems like he hasn't batted above 250 in forever. He has an enormous (laughs) contract. That's
2: not, no, that, uh, I think you're talking about Stanton. You're confusing the two of them. Judge is still on his rookie deal, so he's not that expensive. Yeah. Yet. Um, and and he, he actually can hit a little bit more. He, he hits a higher, for a higher average, but Stanton definitely, uh, I think, is, is the one who you're talking about there. Probably, and it's easy yeah. to confuse them because they're both giants. Um,
0: yeah, I'm, think, I'm, thinking I'm thinking of
2: Stanton. I'm thinking of Stanton. Yep. Really, really hard. So when he makes contact, it can go a long way, but he has been, you know, throughout the course of his career, a streaky hitter. And as he's gotten a little bit older and the injuries have started to wear on him, it appears that maybe he's sapping a little bit of, you know, his ability to recognize stuff or, or something, but he, he's not, he's not making enough contact to do damage with, in my opinion, um, but he's gonna have a hot streak at some point this year where he just reels off like eight homers in in you know two weeks or something.
0: yeah, because he's currently batting 175 and he's played in like a little over half the games. I mean that's not great. Yeah, yeah. that's not great. Um, let's jump to the other side of things. Uh, are the Dodgers unbeatable? I mean, they're nine and two, but I mean they look incredible. Um, can any team compete with in the NL? Can any team in the NL come close to the Dodgers this year?
1: Uh, I I honestly probably not because the the East and Central both look extremely average. Like, yeah, the only the only team that I think is in the conversation. Uh, I'm really impressed with the Padres have done without Tatis. If they can keep that up with everybody else around Tatis, they get Grisham back, they get Tatis back. I like them to be right there in the conversation. But outside of those, two, it's a two team race. Like there's just no way around yeah. it. So so I
2: mean I don't know that that somebody couldn't beat them in the playoffs. Just you know because weird stuff can happen in a playoff series, but. Um, the East to me, the East has a bunch of good teams. So like we, and we talked about this, they're going to beat up on each other. The central to me,
0: I don't really know if any of them are any good. No, so. none of them are. It's the only <laughs> division I watch because I'm a pirates fan. They all stink. The reds are so the best like team the, and they're horrible.
2: The, the East is all kind of a bunch of teams that are fa- fairly similarly, you know, stacked and they'll probably have some success against, you know, the other pe- teams in the West and the central, but, um, the teams in the Central, I think, are going to have a hard time winning a lot of games in general.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. All right, last thing I want to talk in baseball, then we'll move to the sports r- memories favorite thing, uh, which is the NFL. Did you guys see Wilson Contreras's bat flip? It was. Yeah, I, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, so that was my question to end things off. Are you guys pro bat flip or anti bat flip?
1: Absolutely pro-batch. I'm pro-fun pro in baseball in every yeah. form. I want to yeah. see pitcher K struts. I want to see bat flips. I want to see all of it.
0: I want to yeah. see more Kenny Powers-like characters. The MLB needs it. <laughs> bat flips are awesome. Baseball, get rid of these old unwritten rules. Bat flips are awesome. Um, so, Let the and, kids
1: and play. Especially, exactly. especially, you know, he gets hit earlier in the game. You know, some team, some, both teams kind of throw at each other a little bit, and then he goes deep, deep, deep. Like, yeah, yeah, throw the fucking bat, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Especially, it- especially,
2: yeah. I, I'm very much so pro Cadillac,ing it like that. Um, uh, yeah. Do you remember Carlos Gomez a few years ago uh, when he played for the Brewers? I Cargo, think he was yeah. against the Braves. Um, they like hit him like multiple times in a series, and he hit the snot out of this ball, and he does the bat flip. He does like a Ricky spin. He's running around the the bases and he's basically he's yelling, yelling he's yelling at everybody as he's running around the bases. Um and then he get, finally gets to the home plate and Brian McCann is having none yeah. of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think he even did like the, the tennis grunt when he hit the ball. Like, uh, like as he hit the ball. Like <laughs> Busted out the Serena Williams. Right, nice. exactly. Nice. Like you, hear, you hear that on, like, rec league softball during tournaments. Like, that's the only other place you hear that. And this guy's doing it in a professional game off a of pro. Like. <laughs> oh,
0: that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. All right, um, let's let's move to our favorite topic, the NFL. Um, and it's it's been a little quiet. Um, I was hoping with the draft two weeks away, uh, there'd be a little bit more buzz that isn't um, Justin Fields related. Uh, but probably the biggest news is uh, the the Browns, the rich get richer. Uh, Clowney signing with the Browns. Uh, Newman, how in how much of an impact is that going to have on the Browns, and where does that put them in the AFC hierarchy? I think it's an upgrade
2: over like Olivier Vernon what he's been giving them in the past few years. Um, I don't know that's going to be like I thought the Browns were still going to be pretty good you know to based on what what they what they had coming back and stuff this year anyway. So I don't know how much he's going to move the needle. Um and uh you, you know but he he might he, he he should help. He's definitely still a good player. Um so one year, you know, up to 10 million dollars. I think it's kind of incentive based there. Um but uh Baker Mayfield
0: it's his birthday and he said this is a hell of a
2: birthday present, so he's excited.
0: So yeah, so we were having we were having this chat, and I was obviously everyone knows that they've listened to long enough. I'm a Steeler fan, which so I I hate the Browns, and and I I've I've always been super down on Baker Mayfield. Um, This team has Super Bowl talent, but Baker Mayfield I think is the biggest detriment. How far can Baker Mayfield take this super talented team?
2: I mean, they're you know they're a quarter away from you know playing in the AFC championship game or whatever last year. So, you know, and that's without Odell Beckham without Clowney um, that I think that they can get there pretty close. I don't know that it's going to be
0: Baker carrying them though. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's, that's what I thought. Um, you know, I think their talents are a little different, but I made the comparison that the Browns are the AFC Vikings. The Vikings seem to have every piece of, um, you know, a, a good defense, weapons on the outside, a good run game. Um, the Browns finally have coaches that can do something. Uh, what, uh, what do you think about that comparison? Because, I mean, the Vikings just haven't been able to get over the hump. And I see the same trajectory with the Browns.
2: Yeah. So I think that, you, I, I think, I don't think it's a far off comparison. Uh, they're, they're definitely teams that are similar, but they've not, um, I wouldn't say that they're that similar in actual style. Uh, the bears, the Browns have been just much more successful this year, this past year on offense. Um, their defense, the Vikings normally are carried by their defense and then they're pretty good at running the ball. And you know, when they have a good performance out of their quarterback, like case Keenum, a few years ago, they can get pretty, pretty, pretty far there. Um, Ran into a hot Eagles team and and uh the big Dick Nick and you know that's all they wrote on that one. But uh they whoa they, riding
0: they, in big Dick Nick easy. Yeah, uh
2: the, I mean they've had some other really good teams over the course of their careers, but they're they're all different styles that the way that they got there. Like the fifteen and one Vikings with Randy Moss and Chris Carter, that was just an offensive juggernaut. And the kicker who never misses missed. And, you know, Atlanta played him tough and was able to run the ball on him. So, I mean, they're different styles. Uh, I would – right now I think it's a it's a, it's a a reasonable comp uh, for him. But um, I, I like – honestly, I like the Browns a little bit better than I like the Vikings this year just heading in.
0: Yeah. Well, I see Derek is anxiously uh, tired of uh, Cleveland talk, and I know he wants to talk his boy Edelman. Well, so so before um, we move off Cleveland, I got one little interesting tidbit. Clowney
2: is their th- brings in a third number one overall draft pick that they've had. Has any team ever had, like, more on one roster? Right, because well, you got a- Baker, you got Miles Garrett, and you got Clowney, all number one picks. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I feel like the Browns to- at
1: the point probably had more.
2: <laughs> all on the same <laughs> roster though Derek see that's yeah. the key thing because w- they, although they had a number one pick that guy was probably off the roster a few years ago by the time that next number one pick came in
1: <laughs> yeah were they, I think they were in a situation was it over like the last eight years or nine years they only have like two guys still in the roster that they took in the first round yeah they, they don't last very long there
0: Yeah, I'm, guys I'm like the Brandon Whedon of tr- sports trivia so that's that's a bad question to me that's <laughs> Uh, so, um, just try to do a little, uh, rag on me and also make fun of the Browns if I could, uh, explain in the joke, so oh, Derek. Yeah, that's <laughs> never a good move. <laughs> never a good move. Uh, Derek, let's talk, uh, you ca- you're campaigning for Edelman to make the hall of fame, right?
1: Did not. No, well, it was not.
0: all over social media. Did you? Did you did, was I the only yeah, one that was seeing
1: I, this I, craze? I saw it. I just it's like let's let's be realistic. He's going to be a Patriot Ring of Honor player. He's going to get his red jacket, um, an all time great for the franchise. But he's not a Hall of Fame player. There's there's plenty of players with better resumes. Uh, I don't care that he has you know the the stats that he does in the postseason. You know, second all time receiver in yards and interceptions in the postseason. It's a function of being in the postseason every year. Um, really special player, you know, coming from the seventh round, the end of the seventh round to do that, super tough. You know, made big plays when he had to. Is, is a really important player to the 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 organization's history, but he's not a hall of famer. So anybody who says he is, like, get the fuck out of here.
2: So I got, you know, I got, I got. He was never a pro bowler. He was never an all pro. Um, and in an era in which they throw the ball like they do right now. Uh, not ever being in that in that class is is not a good recipe for getting to the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah. So pop uh, quiz,
2: pop quiz, Brandon. Oh Where did shit. he go to
0: college? Oh, it was. Uh, it w- wasn't. Deep. Was it Kent State? Correct. Hey, yeah, I thought it was the Mac. I, I just chose a Mac school. I didn't know which. One. I knew it was one of them. I was going to say, is it a Mac school? Um, all right. So Derek, I got another Edelman question for you. Ooh. Who was who was better, West Welker? Or Edelman. Julian Edelman, I know okay. this.
1: I knew you're going already. It's it's Edelman. Uh, Wells Walker, you know, had a good couple seasons, but I, I just, I, I think it's Edelman. He made more big plays. He made more of an impact organization wide, and was just he was just there longer. He's more important.
0: Yeah, I mean, neither one of them are Cole Beasley. But I mean that's splitting splitting hairs here, um, and last question, uh Newman, will you go see the movie when uh Mark Wahlberg stars as Julian Edelman in the Patriot Dynasty movie? No, no. <laughs> 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 uh I'm not,
2: I'm not one for going to the movie theater to see a lot of those types of movies those are much uh, more movies that i'd ra- 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 rather watch on my couch
0: yeah uh well let's talk about something you are more interested in and that's geo bernard going to the bucks what do you think of the signing and what do you think it does to that offense
2: yeah so i mean i've been clamoring for this for for a while now the i bucks thought you were needed- all over james white i thought you were
0: you were james white
2: Bandwagon. Well James White would make a lot of sense uh, if he was a free agent and he wound up signing with the Patriots on a pretty cheap deal. Uh, I would have expected you know Brady to court him a little bit more, but uh, ultimately Giovanni Bernard called up his buddy James White and he said, you know, what would it be like to play with Tom? And he said, you'll love it. Uh, and so now Giovanni Bernard is a buck and he's going to be able to give the Buck something that they haven't that didn't have, did not have last year, which is a running back that can actually catch the ball out of the backfield. So uh, I think this is good for the Bucks. I think it's good for Bernard, and I think it's good for Brady.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I think it's a home run signing. Um, yeah. I, I think. I think if there was something missing from that offense, it was pass catching out of the backfield. I mean, it was a joke watching either one of those guys try to uh, try to attempt to catch a ball. Um, it was it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, I think this is rich again. Rich get richer. Yet you got you Clowney going to the Browns. You got Gio Bernard going to the Bucks. Um,
2: and this effectively I mean,
1: ends
0: effectively ends LeSean McCoy's
1: Bucks uh, career. Yeah. So,
0: hail to let's, uh,
1: I, th- I say though, let's let's temper our expectations. It's a great fit, but Geo's on the backside of his career here. Sure, but agree. they're not asking him. They're not asking him to, to take sure. on. You know, yeah, I don't. I don't think he's going to have to do much. Or it, I, I think this could hmm. be a really good fit, or it could be one of those situations where he washes out and and you know he's gone by week six. Yeah, but, I mean, he didn't he didn't sign up for like a very uh, big contract or anything. But that's like that, that's so the thing. Thing. to me, that's the key. It's there's no risk. Like you got to take yeah. that shot, and it, and it should on paper be a good fit.
2: Yeah. So I mean, and and also like Bernard is a guy who's he's he's he did everything that Cleveland ever or uh, Cincinnati ever asked of him. He's just a really good player. He took a back seat when he needed to. Uh, whenever he needed to step in and start, he was effective. Um, obviously, he's a little bit of a smaller guy, so he gets some injuries but uh nice for him to get a chance to actually go chase a ring uh and uh and and play much closer to home so he said uh his dad who doesn't like to fly can now actually come watch him play for the bucks so.
0: Yeah, and he gets to play with his son antonio brown so you know i mean it's uh <laughs> it's a really nice reunion you you love to see it you absolutely love to see it um to him yeah uh, <laughs> um, speaking of wide receivers maybe signing with the bucks do you see a brady edelman reunion in tampa bay they asked I, gronk I, didn't they yeah
1: yeah Did he's you see 69 you rated <laughs> a 69 percent chance of happening um i as a whole i say no i think it was kind of they really you know put out the package kind of an emotional uh retirement package all that stuff who knows when he gets away from the game for a little while it sounds like the knee injury is pretty bad Uh, it's a situation where it's not going to get better. Like it just won't heal. So do you want to risk more damage to it? You know, you have to live on that knee for the rest of your life. Um, if it happens, it might be one of those like last week of the season, like right before eligibility. And he does it just to be on a pitch count for the playoffs kind of thing. But I I just don't even see that happening. Um, if you're the bucks, why bring on another guy? Why mess up the chemistry? It just doesn't make a lot of sense for, for both parties.
2: Yeah. I I don't think, I don't think he's needed. Um and uh, uh, if I'm him, there's no he doesn't need to chase another ring. He
1: he's got enough. No, so. he's got he's got his three, and like they already have Scotty Miller, so they're good.
0: Yeah. Um. Let's stick with backfield sign. Yeah, I, I agree. I think. I mean, we were talking about how Gio Bernard is a wonderful fit. I think Edelman is forcing um a round peg into a square hole there. Um. Just yeah. just unnecessary. Um. What about uh, James Connor going to the Cardinals? Um filling in Kenyon Drake's shoes, Uh does this make the Cardinals any better, or is James Conner a non-factor in um, the current NFL?
1: I, I think this only just like- one real thing in the scope of the NFL, is it makes Kenyon Drake not a number one, uh or not a top running back in fantasy football. Well, Absolutely. Kenyon Drake... Kenyon Drake's in in uh,
2: in or, uh sorry
1: now. Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds.
2: Yeah. That, that's all that's all um, this does. <laughs> so I, th- I think this is kind of a depth signing. He didn't sign very very much, just an opportunity Penny, to play. Um, for the Cardinals, I think this is a good move. You know, you get get a little depth there. Um, and he's a guy who may help you probably, he's probably more of a red zone guy than anything else, um, because Chase Edmond is not very big. So uh, Edmond's probably gonna get the bulk of the load and then connor's going to be used, you know, to finish teams off later in games when they have the lead or uh, or or in the red zone there. Yeah. Um how about wanted- your boy
0: how about your boy Vince Williams re-signing with the Steelers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it wouldn't be a podcast I'm on if we don't bring up the Steelers. Um, they signed Josh Dobbs, which means they're not drafting a quarterback. And they signed Vince Williams, which means they're probably not drafting a linebacker, which are two positions that I'm glad they're not drafting. So I, I don't think it moves the needle because I think the Steelers, um, with, without Ben, they were going 4-13. and With Ben, they're going 7-10. and um, so I'd rather them be four and thirteen instead of seven and ten. So I'm pretty upset with the current Steelers. So hoorah, Vince Williams doesn't matter. Steelers are going to stink. Vince Williams is a Florida State alum, by the way. Uh, good player at Florida oh, State. Oh, I wonder why you put it on the outline. I was like, I was like, this is this is a pretty unimportant thing. I mean, he's he's a good, uh... he's
2: a good player in the NFL too. I actually know Vince personally. Uh, He was there at the same time as me at Florida
0: State. So Uh, you put it in the outline to talk about that. I know you. I know you did. I know you did. Um, I was gonna make a bulk of the load and Kevin James joke, but I couldn't I couldn't think of one. Um, But how awful of an idea is this is Kevin James playing Sean Payton. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm so insulted. Um, So I want to talk about two things briefly. Um, what do you think about that
1: casting Derek and what do you think of the movie? <laughs> Both are terrible. Uh, unless Kevin James has lost unless Kevin James has lost a ton of weight during the uh, pandemic that I didn't realize and, and he's gonna come out looking like it just doesn't make sense to me and you you get Kevin James like is this gonna be funny? Like is this gonna be? It's is a this very to be serious like,
0: topic. Like, it's is this it's, is this gonna be like a light
1: take? It's like, oh, when he was coaching middle school football, haha! It was so like I, th- I really, I see them brushing over, even if they touch Bounty Gate, they're gonna brush over it in like three minutes, yeah. and it's gonna be, yeah. just be just a disgusting fluff piece. And it's like, of, of all of
2: all the things that you could you know make it. a movie about for Sean Payton's life, you want to do? Oh, let's do the one year where he went back and and had to coach high school football because. uh he got suspended for Bounty Gate. What? Like, nobody cares. Like, why is that the movie choice? You're
0: why so is that the movie choice? If, if, you're, if you feel
1: dead, if you feel like dead set on having like a, a Sean Payton movie, why wouldn't you have like Kevin Costner play him like after Katrina and like how I brought the city back together? Like, if you're going to do a happy movie, I don't, do I don't that. know that I want, I don't and and that I want movie movie. Kevin
2: Costner playing him either. I don't think he's that a grave an actor.
0: But I don't I think he I don't
1: think he is, I is. Think either. <laughs> Yeah, Yellowstone it's, is it's, the best show on TV right now. But it's it's know? not it, that's not any worse than Kevin James. And again, like the topic, like they're, they're gonna cover the wrong end of this thing. It's gonna be terrible. <laughs> I mean, it's so I, I I didn't do my research. This has gotta be
0: like direct to Netflix or HBO match, right? Yeah, okay. Ne- Netflix Good. bought it. Okay, thank Jesus. Cause I was like, oh my god, this. This is worse. You know you're chart. gonna watch it. You know you're gonna watch it. I'm 100 going to hate watch it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Anything else in the NFL you want nah, to let's move you, on. You, you, you want to cover? All right. Um, let's let's jump into the NHL trade deadline um, that has came and passed and and I think there were some power players uh, that def- that got significantly better. Uh, Derek, what are one or two moves that you think really moved the needle uh, for some of the top teams uh, in the NHL?
1: To me, there, there's three moves that happen that are going to be a big impact. That were great moves, and then there's this kind of one long term move, and then kind of everything else. So for me, uh, Tampa going out and getting two defensemen, defensive depth is huge. They get Savard, who's a right handed shot, big physical mm-hmm. guy. was one of the, was one of the top guys available uh, going into he's this. A, this design
0: perfect system fit, just like just yeah. perfect. System I, if,
1: fit. It finally gives Hedman a really good partner somebody that's going to stay at home be physical move guys off the puck doesn't make doesn't have headman playing all over the ice like this is going to be a really good fit i think that's how they're going to deploy him he's one of the new kind of blue chip guys available as far as what was out there and they did it in a way we, we kind of saw you know we're seeing i think it's a product of kind of the pandemic and how salary caps are working we're seeing all these voided years in the NFL we saw something kind of new in the NHL where guys are giving up picks and a lot of assets and the team that these guys are being traded from are retaining the salary so yeah. so Brees, Savard Brees gets Savard, the wizard yeah Savard <laughs> gets moved twice there's a three team trade he gets actually moved twice and each destination takes half of his available salary so Tampa's paying 25% of his salary this season I love how Detroit
2: just inserts themselves into this just so, like, Eisman's like, yeah, I just wanted to pick. Just give me a pick. I'll, I can eat that $250,000, whatever it is. Give me a fourth-round pick, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. And then so, it triggered other teams to start doing it. Like, once once the Lightning did it, then the the next day, a bunch of other teams were like, wait, what did they do? Okay, let's do some of that.
1: Yeah, Boston did the same thing to get Taylor Hall, where Buffalo is retaining. That, like, it's insane. I never thought I'd, I'd live in – during my lifetime – that the 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 Boston Bruins would give away a uh, Segan for nothing and then get Taylor Hall for nothing. Yeah, it's you know, that's the kind Taylor of a Hall circle. trade was
0: definitely the most head scratching move that happened, and the Bruins needed it, man. The, the The Bruins are kind of kind of having a disappointing season coming off their the the. So is I Taylor mean, Hall. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's He's that's a good awful, point. Dude. He's been, um, they, they don't seem to have an identity without Zdeno Chara holding guys and, and you know interfering with everybody that skates in his vicinity and getting away with it. Uh, now that that's you know went south down to Washington, they don't seem to have an identity. How, I mean Hall's agreement. He's he's still an all world player. He's, he's what three seasons off a of Hart Trophy. Um, he's an absolute stud. He needed a, a change of scenery. Nobody was going to be good in Buffalo. Buffalo's barely an NHL team. Um, Didn't they lose like nineteen in a row or something? In they're, they're yeah 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 they're terrible. Uh, there's, there's no way around that, but okay. it's, you know, so, it, you, you start to see people, you know, with, with this new helping teams circumvent the cap, quote unquote, not, you know, maliciously circumvents kind of a negative connotation, but they're giving up picks to do it. They want to, they want to win now. I mean, it's just it's just buying picks, which we've seen in some other sports.
2: Um, but makes a lot of sense for them to start doing it in hockey. And uh, I think this is a good happens a lot
0: in the NBA. <clears throat> happens a lot in the NBA.
2: For, for the Lightning, I think this is another genius move by uh, by the Wizard Julian Brisebois. Um And then uh, you know, let's talk about some of the other stuff that happens. Uh, the Lightning weren't the only team that improved. There's some other teams that did some important stuff here. <clears throat> yeah. So definitely. the Hurricanes get. I'm not sure of his name. Hakampa. Um, they give up some assets to do so. So, I mean, uh, this the light, the Hurricanes are right in there. Like, the, uh, are they at the top of the division right now? They might be. They um, are. They're, they, well, they're tied
0: with Tampa Bay, but they played one less game.
1: Yeah. So they're, here's so how how I right feel about there. the central, though. Like, so I mean, Sam Bennett to Florida is a good move. They get him for cheap, second round pick. But here's how I feel about the central. It's still the Lightning's division. They're sitting at the top. They probably made one of the better moves acquisition. And I'm sorry, everything that happened at the deadline, uh, there's no acquisition out there that parallels them getting Nikita Kucherov back in the playoffs. No. So yeah. you know, two of the top four acquisitions, if you look at it from a kind of cumulative standpoint, they're going to run away with this thing in the playoffs again. So here's the one thing that I will warn you about there, Derek.
2: Whenever a a you know a, a much better team allows the uh, uh, an outclassed opponent to stay in the game, the outclassed opponent starts gaining confidence and it makes an upset likelier and likelier. So, uh, the Lightning have not played great hockey the last couple weeks here. Um, some of that's injury based. You know, they've been without a lot of their guys, but um, they need to get it back into gear and uh, they need to start doing something t- quickly to do so. Um, also, maybe McElhaney shouldn't play if he's going to give up seven goals in a game.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're—I mean—they're—they're I mean, they're, they're allowing them right now. They realize like they're in the playoffs. They're gonna get Vasilevsky some rest because he's gonna play every sure. game in the playoffs. I'm not worried about them losing right now. Um, if it comes to a situation where when the backups have to play, yeah, or the run's over. There's yeah. neither one of those guys is gonna win a playoff series. Um, but you—you you, you add Nikita Kucherov, it's huge. And yeah, Tampa is right now—they're splitting a. Uh, AHL team, a minor league team uh, with, I believe, the Panthers. And cumulatively, they're addressing five healthy defensemen in Syracuse right now. Both teams are so banged up on the blue line that between two organizations, they can't even feel the full defensive uh, three pairings at the AHL level. Yeah. So, yeah, the injuries are bad. So this this is probably
0: with the draft upcoming, uh, and this is probably the last time we'll talk hockey until the playoffs begin. And, and yeah. there's, only, there's only 20 games left. So right now, give me your guys' Stanley Cup preview. Well, let's touch on some of the other moves
2: that were happening there, bud. Um, so the East actually is pretty interesting. We talked about the Bruins yes. getting Taylor Hall. Um, the Capitals get Mantha, and they pay a heavy price for him. What did Dude. you think of that move,
1: Derek? I love that move. And that, that's the one that I kind of count in, like the future one. I don't know that how much better it makes the Capitals today just because he's going to be kind of relegated to a, probably a third line, maybe a second line. Uh, but long term, he's one of the best players that the that the, the Detroit um, Red Wings had in their organization. So it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of weird to see a player like that move. Um, he's he's a stud. I like him. He's got size. He, he plays well. He's got a scoring touch. I think that that's a, more of a you get lucky and, and, and acquire a long term asset there. Um, and then hey guys, the other the, move,
0: The East isn't very good. I'm just going to tell you, there's literally no the, goal uh,
1: They, they the, the, East. Penguins, the Penguins, decide to do nothing. They move. Uh, they get one of the best, the biggest names. Jeff Carter, but he's probably four years past his prime. Yeah,
0: this is Patrick Marlowe. This is Jerome McGinley. Um, they've went down this route again. Like, let's get a big name to make the fans happy. They did. They paid a very small price for it. They paid a conditional sure. third and a conditional fourth. I mean, that's third and fourth round picks are just handed out like candy in hockey. But yeah, I mean this this was a make the fans happy move for the Penguins. Uh, but mostly, I don't really see a I don't really see a contender in the East. Um, you know, I, I do think Carolina is is really good. I, I think Derek, you're, uh, I think Newman's analogy there of kind of letting the younger brother stick around. I think, I think you definitely should be worried of uh, younger brother in, in Carolina. <clears throat> um, but I, I don't think there's anyone in the East really that can compete with either one of those teams.
1: No, nope. okay. the North's kind of a similar situation. No goaltending. You know, I, I think that Toronto's going to run away with that. They add Nick Foligno, which is a big, big add. That's a guy with playoff experience, a guy with grit, big heavy body. You know, That's the kind of guy you want. Uh, Jordy Ben gets moved. That's not the Ben that you want. Um, it's kind of a non-factor to me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Um, I forgot the North existed. I don't think I've watched any North hockey. So, 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 you,
1: so Toronto's running oh, away with it, right? Yeah, they are, and it's a lot of scoring. is um, I mean, so bad that they have two of the last three heart winners, and they still can't make. The, they still can't get it together. Yeah,
0: yeah I mean, I kind of. I mean, the East is better than the North, but I mean, nobody. I mean, the the West is stacked, and the Central is top heavy. I mean, the West is really good. I mean, I yeah. I I I think Minnesota's under like again, kind of the similar of Edmonton. Like Minnesota should be way better than they're playing. But I mean, Colorado and Vegas are absolute juggernauts. Um, My gun to head. I mean, I would love to see a Colorado-Tampa, and and I think Colorado is probably the best team in hockey right now. I I think the Blues are still dangerous too.
1: Blues, yeah, yeah, I could see them in the playoffs. You know, they got a lot of experience. They got guys who are still around from the the last Cup. Um, I I think, I think Tampa-Vegas makes a lot of sense. Yeah. No, I just if I if
0: I see Flurry thrive, it'll kill me because the Penguins with Flurry would be scary. But the Penguins yeah. roll out Tristan Jari and he sucks.
1: So. They took the <laughs> they kept
0: the wrong guy. They definitely kept the wrong guy. So, so Vegas does that. get Yan Mark. Is that going to
2: push them over? Are they are they going to be the the winner there?
1: I um, don't. I it was a kind of a nothing move. Um, I I don't think it really helps them a ton. I don't think it hurt. I mean, obviously, it doesn't hurt them. Um, I still think they're the favorite there, but I mean Colorado's right there. It's it's a good it's a good division. Did Colorado do anything at the deadline? Not important. I don't I don't remember anything. Yeah, significant out of that. I think it was it was a Sutterberg Sutterberg whatever, and not yeah. the uh, not the director, so not the one you need to know about right uh,
0: that's <laughs> hilarious that's hilarious all right um any anything else with hockey before we move on to a couple minor things and then we'll uh we'll what, get out of here. Is, is there anybody surprising that
2: you like didn't do enough in your opinion Derek, or like th- they should be a contender and they just
1: fall flat um i would have liked to see somebody else in the north do anything mm-hmm. make a move um whether it be Montreal or, or just somebody else, I mean, you're going to make the playoffs. Like, I'd like to see somebody else do do something mm. to, to kind of reposition themselves. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I think all all the guys. There's not any like top heavy kind of contenders that didn't do something to get, at least get some depth. Uh, Was the, there the a central. better seller? Was there a better seller than Detroit? I'd like to. I mean, I think Columbus did a really good job too. Yeah. Uh so Columbus moves Savard, Columbus moves uh Felino, they get a bunch of picks back. Um and they're, didn't, they're not eating a ton of cap. Um, even though they they take they, they retain half a Savard, it's still only like two and a half million dollars. Yeah. So they didn't take a bunch hold a bunch of cap back. I did see a joke though. Uh somebody said that um, you know, breaking news, John Tortorello's already benched the third round pick they got back for Dennis Savard. <laughs>
2: Uh, yeah, I don't know that that's gonna have a chance to happen because I don't see torts being there a whole lot longer if they're gonna take a step back in all honesty.
0: So yeah. r- real real quick, what do you guys think of the season so far with with the way we? I mean we we talked about this at the beginning of the season, but we haven't really talked about it since. Do we like the new divisions? Do we like playing baseball type series? because um, Derek, I think you were pretty against it in the beginning, but I'm loving this. I'm loving I'm loving the divisions. I'm loving playing the teams the way they're playing. Um, I don't know if there's been discussions to keep it that way, but I'm digging this format. I
1: think it's I think it's bad for the game. Um, The two and two is good or the home and home. You know, I, I like that element, but I think the divisions are bad for the game. I think cutting off Canada to only care about Canada is not good for the growth of hockey in the U.S.
2: Yeah, I don't. I don't really like the div- the way the divisions are. Th- the games are only being played in division, because um, you do lose a lot of other rivalries. Now you're generating some rivalries here, but are these rivalries going to be long term? Are these divisions going to stay like this? Probably not. So you know, you're just you know costing. For instance, uh, you know, Florida being open and the Lightning and and Florida uh, Florida Panthers there allowing fans in. You know, you could actually have some 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 uh, more fans in the building from. You know the Rangers and the and the Bruins and Capitals and Penguins yeah, come down
1: we're, here. We're missing and, out and on, the, of- on the, the 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 Capitals rivalry, the 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 Bruins rivalry, the Toronto rivalry, the Montreal rivalry. Like we're missing out on some on some of the rivalries, and all we have left is Florida. Who like yeah. it's one of those situations. I, I know as a Steelers fan, you can relate. Where like Florida thinks that Tampa is like this big rival, but Tampa doesn't feel it back. It's yeah. like you know probably like you and like the Bengals. It's like right. get the fuck out of here! You're not even at this table. <laughs> yeah. So, no. but 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 I do like I do
2: like the uh you know a cu- playing a couple games against the same team uh reducing the travel that way. I think it's actually something that might they might want to look into um if you're you know the NHL moving forward.
0: Have either one of you guys went to a game yet?
1: Uh, I haven't not have, yet. No, not no, yet. I,
0: Curious. Okay.
1: I, yeah, was, we still was, got some time though it was pretty lucrative to sell my season tickets. So
0: I I imagine, yeah, I'm sure those things are paying insane. Um, Marcus and I went to a football game and it was really well done. And I actually loved that. um, You know, I could scream and be obnoxious and that was fun. So yeah, the Jags. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, All right. So anything else in hockey Newman you want to cover? No, I think we got it. Cool. Kind of last thing here. Um, kind of minor things the NCAA did pass the transfer rule. Um, Derek, I know you probably don't care so much about this, but it pretty much means free agency in college basketball, which is, I and, think, and dangerous and football. and football. Yeah, I think the rich get richer. Um, and I think it really creates a parity gap. Um, you already see a ton of, at least in basketball, a ton of teams flocking to Texas and Kentucky and Indiana. And um, obviously as an Indiana fan, I'm, I'm happy with that. Cause again, a lot of the blue bloods are going to benefit from this. Um, but I mean, teams like Miami and Pitt and Ohio and Oral Roberts and kind of all these teams are losing their players at no um, at all benefit to the player, no benefit to the school. And I I'm sure Derek is just grinning cause he, he loves that side of things. But uh, I think it's pretty significant. I think it's going to shake up college athletics significantly. No, but, I mean, here, here's the other thing. Now, you say it's going to help a lot of these Blue Blood teams, but
2: let's let's take, for instance, Alabama, right? So there's – Alabama just recruits over guys. All right, you're a five-star. We got another five-star in right after him. We got another five-star in right after him. Like, Alvin Kamara uh, went to Alabama. He was the number one running back recruit in the country. He didn't really play at Alabama, so he transferred to Tennessee and actually got to play. Um Although Tennessee didn't use them well, so it was probably a poor choice of transfers. He could have went somewhere better. But those are also going to be possible, possible for due to this rule, right? Guys get one free transfer where you know they don't have to sit out a year. So some of these guys that do get recruited over, if they do go to the situation that they don't like or doesn't fit them or they're not getting playing time, then they can go somewhere else and maybe play a little bit more, which may actually help some of those. A little bit lower schools, right? Like uh, a USF is could be like, yeah, we were early in on this guy. Some big dog came in and took him early, and then uh, they didn't get to play. And guess what? We had our arms wide open for him when they came home. You know, so uh, you, you'll see some of that too. I think, and uh, at the end of the day, it benefits the player a lot.
0: It benefits the player a ton. I think. I think it's just again, uh, football is already seeing a lot of top heavy. I mean, we've had what the same five or six teams in the college football playoff for the last decade. Um, I think it only increases that. Um, and I think it's going to have the same effect in basketball.
2: Yeah. Well, you know what, um, you know, what Bobby Bowden would say about that? What? Recruit recruit better players. <laughs> Buy better players, you mean? Buy re- better re- players. Recruit better players.
1: Um, <laughs> I think it holds schools more accountable though. You can't, you can't, you know, be disingenuous with the guy, bring him in under false pretenses, and then he's stuck. Or he has to go sit out a year. Like, I, I do like the ability or, you know, if a coach changes, uh, sometimes with these coaching changes, offenses change. If you're, you know, a, a kind of a more of a four, three, three technique, all of a sudden they new coach comes in, they run, they're running a three, four, and you're kind of an odd man out. Do you, you know, are you going to play the nose? Are you going to play just go, or you can go somewhere else? So, so and, I have a perfect I,
2: example I, there. Uh, Ryan Holinsky right was the starter for South Carolina as a freshman they bring in Mike Bobo to be the offense coordinator and Mike Bobo brings in a, a you know a grad transfer that knows his system from Colorado State where he was the head coach the year before and Ryan Holinsky gets benched and it's like all right if you're South Carolina is it smart to bench a freshman who was just playing for you last year and was playing well for a grad transfer Probably not. And now Helinski's gone and he's playing somewhere else and he's going to be able to play right away. So good for him. Um, and, you know, South Carolina was dumb for doing that. Yep, I agree.
0: Yeah, and, um, and this was this was the straw that broke the camel's back with Roy Williams, though. Um, Walker Walker Kessler was a player. He, he really wanted to stay. And Walker Kessler, who was a former McDonald's All-American five-star, was like, eh, I didn't like my playing time here. I'm transferring to Auburn. Um, and Roy Williams is like, screw this. Um, I, I I don't like the way the direction college basketball is going, um, and adamantly disagreed with this. Uh, so um, see, for that for that reason,
1: so, I think it almost does the. I think almost could create more parity. I think you could see a situation like Newman was talking about with like you know Alabama, where if they're hoarding six you know NFL prospect linebackers who are not getting playing time, if there's no sit out, maybe, there's no time I have to sit out. Maybe I go somewhere else and actually play.
2: Yeah. So, so one thing uh, that Roy Williams is infamous for is he takes some of these super highly recruited guys and he doesn't play them so that they have to stay another year. They can't go into the draft right right away as a one and done because they didn't really play that much. So they didn't get to put out that much tape and film. Um, and so now he's not going to be able to do that and, and have, you know, these older teams with these really good players that are four and five stars because those guys are going to actually have a chance to play right away and go make some money. Uh, and Roy Williams was, as I mentioned, infamous for doing this. He did this multiple times over decades. Um, so.
0: I mean, teams were, I mean, the NCAA was already making exceptions with Justin Fields. I mean, you already had, you know, Russell Wilson. I think they already had the grad transfer. They already had the coaching change exception. I think it was fine as it is. I think free agency at the college level, I am against it. I'm, I'm clearly you guys are agree with it. And that makes it for a great topic. It'll be interesting to see. Well, what it came down to was, could you have a good lawyer that could come up
2: with whatever reasoning it is that the NCAA can't question was what it came down to for the transfers. Most guys, if they were at a good enough school or they are trying to go to a good enough school, were able to find that lawyer that was able to take care of that for them. Um, and now it just removes that facade, which is all it really was. So they're yeah. allowed to transfer one free transfer. Um, and, you know, it, it. It. there's already guys that transfer, but why – why in college athletics, as opposed to any other uh, profession or whatever, uh, am I not allowed to choose where I go to school? If I go to a school for a semester as a, as a graduate or as a student, right, and I don't like it there, guess what? I don't have to keep going there, right? And a, I can go somewhere else, anywhere i I
1: mean, to use the NCA's words that they love to use, they're not employees. They're not – But, they, you know, they're, but they're that student, they are. They're students first. So if they're students yeah, first for- – yeah.
2: So here's the thing. If they're not employees, why can't they fucking go wherever they want to go?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: So. Uh, so, yeah, it just removes more of the facade and I'm all for it. Um, another thing that occurred is the dead period is to end June 1st. Uh, so this will allow, you know, recruiting to actually pick up. Um, we haven't had recruiting in for over a year. Uh, at the college level, students haven't been able to take trips to campus and check out schools, meet coaches, meet facilities, meet with athletics, uh, or academics, uh, advisors or anything like that, um, prior to going into school. So, um, you know, this is good for everyone really in this. It's good for the, you know, the schools that are trying to recruit and it's good for the players who are being recruited
0: for, for nerds like Newman and I, and Derek, I don't know if you are, so I can't speak for you. I love following college basketball recruiting. I love following the AAU circuits. I love seeing uh, all of these all-star teams get put together. Um, so I- I'm excited for recruiting to start up again. Um, it's, it's it's a fun thing I enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so
2: I- I'm super excited about that as well. And I know De- Derek has had his experience with transfers
0: and with recruiting. So he, <laughs> uh, he can definitely empathize. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, just one last thing. I mean, I, I don't know if either one of you are golf guys. I became golf a golf guy over uh, quarantine. It was the only thing to watch. Um, and it was a really fun Masters. Um, Sunday Will, was great. You had, you had Will Zatoris, who was 24 years old, ranked in the 200s. Uh, everyone thought he would fall off. Um, made for great memes. Um, props to that kid for just absolutely housing pressure. Um, I'm sure he is just absolutely swimming in. Um, well, you know, you know what he's probably <laughs> swimming in. Deep, deep, uh, do you know what the
2: difference in payouts was from uh, first to second to third for the uh, Masters? So uh, the winner gets two point zero seven zero or something like that, and then second place gets like one point two four. That's so a drop off. Will Will Zalatoris, though, twenty four years old, finished second at the Masters, walks away with one point two four million dollars. Third place only gets like
0: seven eighty. Let, let me play you what 24 year old Brandon does not need that much money. I mean, that's probably <laughs> a good thing. I probably, I mean, let's it. be real. He's a golfer. So
2: his parents are probably rich anyway. Um, exactly. and he went to wake and he went to wake forest, which is a small private school. Uh, so I'm sure that it's not necessarily needed there, but, um, good one, of for the, him one, on, one of the
0: creepiest mascots. Um, if you want to check out that article, yeah. go to the sports, uh, where we yeah. rag on the demon Deacon. Yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, M- Matsuyama, like, he
2: gets out to the lead, and then, you know, for the most part, it really didn't even look like it was ever in danger on Sunday. No, um, it was. Until there, was there was, there was well, yeah, there was one when he put it in the water uh, and it got down to two strokes. That, that was like, ooh, this actually got a little bit interesting. And then Xander literally hits it in the water on the next hole, and it's like, all right, well, that's over now.
0: Yeah, uh, so a story that nobody cares about, but I'm going to share anyway. Uh, Drew is the commissioner of our fantasy football league, and he had this phenomenal idea. And I I encourage all of you commissioners out there. If you're starting a league, start it this way. Instead of just doing a random generalized draft order, pick a sporting event. In this case, Drew picked the masters and, uh, we all got generated a pick and we all had to pick a player. This is a 14 team league. I had the 12th pick. So all of the major name game guys are gone. I picked Matsuyama, who ended up not even making the cut, and I got, like, the 14th out of 14th pick. Um, so it was awful. But look at me. Two years later, I root for Matsuyama every time because he was my dude I picked for fantasy football. So I, I was pumped. I was in this. Did um, you Did you gamble on him? Because he had,
2: like, 46 to 1 or something odds going in? No, I normally don't bet until Saturday or Sunday. Oh, um, You've got to get in early on those, man. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of the times it's just throwing money away. I mean Well yeah, you're, you're just throwing I mean take a hundred bucks, throw throw ten on t- ten guys each, and then uh, you know, have some fun with it.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, when when it hits, it'd be nice. Uh but I did take Matsuyama, uh on Sunday. Um I got him at 126 to one. Um so I, I made I did decent. I did decent yeah. on that. Um so that was fun. Uh it, again, for those that listen, uh Marcus and sometimes Newman and JC, we do a gambling podcast. Are any of you guys tuning in or is it already going Newman? Tell me about this live betting because I should be all about this. And I don't. So so the NBA,
2: um, which the NBA is always the first mover when it comes to things and being creative and, and, and doing some stuff with some ingenuity. They were the first ones to do fantasy sports. Um, to like actually incorporate it into the game, whereas baseball, you know, it happened around baseball and baseball didn't incorporate it into the game. Um, so the NBA is actually going to have a live broadcast, and part of the broadcast is going to involve betting. So they're going to be, uh, you know, talking about gambling, about, you know, what's going on with the game, what options that there are, maybe parlays, side bets, live betting options. Yeah, I bet um, there's a lot and of a player problem.
0: props. I bet there's a moving yeah. over under.
2: Yeah, no. It's all going to be part of the broadcast tonight, and I think this is great for sports um, because now we can stop pretending that you know sports isn't about gambling because that's what it really is all about.
1: It it really, (laughs) really is. All right, guys. uh, Again, that is I have a little bit of a curveball I wanted to throw you here. So this is sports adjacent. Uh, This, this, you know, the worldwide or whatever WWE stands for. So I saw today trailer for. Do you know they're making a a Fast and Furious nine? I knew they were, they'll but they'll probably didn't. make the Fast and the Furious like fifteen. Yeah. So they make it, they're making a ninth one where the bad guy is John Cena, who is also Dom or Vince Diesel, Vin Diesel's uh character's brother. Like Ooh. how like ridiculous, campy, <laughs> just dumb are these movies getting.
2: Yeah, I mean that they gotta do whatever. Whatever whatever they can do to print some more money, they're gonna do it.
1: Yeah. It's it's I mean, unbelievable.
0: It, it, I mean, it just seems like it seems like it's it's just like the Expendables. I mean, how many stars are in the Fast and the Furious now? I mean, I feel like
1: right. literally everyone who's Tyrese anything- and Ludacris and like everybody's in it, and they always have you know John Cena was in it, The Rock's in it. So I just seen this, and, and I saw a comment from from Vin Diesel saying that you know he thinks that that Paul Walker sent uh, John Cena to do this. He walked, I guess John Cena walked in while. Uh, Vin Diesel was that his he made a shrine to Dom the character because apparently he's like a method actor when he tries to channel Dom uh, the character which I think is ridiculous because if you look at all of his movies it's just it's just like that character Him. from he, Fast and Furious play, every plays single plays time triple x yeah triple (laughs) x is like convict Don groot is is just tree alien don even the the same thing with costner
2: kevin costner doesn't play any characters he just plays (laughs) kevin costner playing that character yeah i will not take any more
0: kevin costner slander this is a this is a (laughs) non-slander i'm the host of this shit and i will not have it anymore kevin Kevin Costner, costner kevin costner the only guy who plays robin hood with a californian accent you bite your tongue all right since 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 we're just going on a little bit of a rant here which, which which movie is going to be worse space jam 2 or the kevin james sean payton movie kevin james sean payton space jam 2 will at least be entertaining i think will it because the trailer looked awful we
1: know lebron can't act I mean, this has been teased forever. I mean, if, if, if Lola's bunny is not sexy, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> Did you see that controversy? Everybody's mad because they made her not sexy. I mean, apparently.
0: they made they made Mrs. Incredible Other sexy people's comment. and it, and Other it people's melted comment. the Come internet. So, we'll fix it with the Snyder Cut. We'll be good. Don't worry. The Snyder Cut long live mrs incredible all right this is getting insane uh, um right. any, any any other <clears throat> slutter throws newman or Derek, or are we good to throw wrap this thing up i, I think we've gone long enough all right <laughs> all right like i'm gonna do with mrs incredible let's wrap this up uh, and call it sure. call it a day <laughs> bye everybody